Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. Very excited today that we actually have a CMO with us. Very often we have content marketers here, we have thought leaders here. Really excited to get that global organizational view today. And the person providing that to us will be Brian Miske with KPMG MSLP. Uh, he's the CMO there, and we are going to welcome him in shortly. But as always, I have Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud joining me. Uh, Jeff, uh, you want to kick us off with a stat this week? Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. Great to be here for another episode of Content Pros. And we're, we're sourcing this stat from a content project that Brian's organization did. They do a, a yearly CEO survey, and one of the stats that they surfaced in that report was that 29% of CEOs say that they're steering their companies towards transformation and that their organization is likely to be a significantly different entity in three years. So that, that sounds like a lot of CMOs that are enacting some big changes at their organizations. What do you think about that, Randy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, Jeff, you and I both work at very different organizations, you know, and, you know, both of our organizations obviously try and focus on working in a very nimble manner. Um, but sometimes it's tough for some of us listening who may work at smaller organizations to even think, you know, a year out, let alone two or three. But as you're dealing with large multinational global organizations, that becomes a very key matter as to where are we going a few years down the road because it takes time for this messaging to trickle, especially in more mature markets. So I, I think this makes a lot of sense. I think that said, we do have to keep in mind that it depends what company that we're coming from as we hear this stat. But I think what isn't happening enough is looking forward. There's a lot of strategy that we try and put into place in terms of what is our strategy this month? What is our strategy this quarter? And I think a lot of companies do fail at painting that picture internally and especially as it trickles down to content beyond the current campaign. What's, you know, what's your take on that, Jeff, and the different organizations you've been part of? Well, certainly the, the CEO's job is the person with vision and they really are the person that should be focused on that on that future vision the the future of the company and and i think it's pretty interesting that almost a third of them are saying that the company's going to be significantly different if if you look at the company that i work for oracle oracle is currently in the middle of a cloud transformation 
and our our CEO actually talks about that we are transitioning into a different kind of organization as cloud becomes a more important part of the IT world. So here's a very large company that actually is focused on on this kind of view of the company. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I think that another thing that we, we hear very often, but we don't necessarily think about what is it going to mean in a year or two or three from now, is this shift in decision-making power. Uh, you know, we've all read the stats in terms of the influence moving from often, say, a CTO or the web team in the organization to the, to the actual marketing team. And that the marketing team will actually make a lot more of these decisions as far as go-to-market strategy is concerned, as far as the technology that's, that's brought into an organization to help it run. And I'm not just talking about the marketing tools that we use and we talk about so often here on Content Pros, but also the tools that trickle into the sales environment and beyond. And I know as we, as we bring Brian here, you know, he has a lot of in, influence into the business development reps um, or however they're termed exactly at KPMG uh, in terms of how they go to market. So maybe, maybe this is actually a good time, Jeffrey, to do your, your intro of our guest today. Absolutely. Thanks, Randy. So, Brian, the Chief Marketing Officer of KPMG MSLP, welcome to Content Pros. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So, as Randy said, we usually have content marketers, influencers, practitioners on our, on our show talking about content and the world that they function in. But in, in your role as the Chief Marketing Officer of your organization, Tell us how tell us how content fits in the way you think about marketing, but start with actually that much bigger picture. I, I know you have some interesting thoughts about marketing strategy as it relates specifically to content strategy. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit controversial when it comes to content strategy where it's, it's not necessarily a, um, a critical element of what I think is pertinent to uh, being successful. We have to think more strategically as a filter, um, one, to kind of address the overall business strategy that is constantly being challenged, as you guys discussed at the beginning of the conversation. Um, so much of what is happening um, is that we're trying to compete in a market that is in near constant disruption. And that disruption is caused through technological forces, brand, reputational, as well as regulatory and those disruptive forces are challenging the legacy of multiple industries that are century old. And the industry today only seems to respect innovation. So we need to really start with strategy. And that trickles down, as you guys said, um, to content. So it's really about shaping markets. In order to shape markets, you have to shape the conversations. Really, I kind of understand the conversations you want to own with buyers, with the marketplace, with influencers, and frankly, even with your own employees. That will basically dictate what type of content you need to fuel those conversations. So I take a little bit of a controversial um, perspective on that. Well, so let, let's add actually a little more context to this conversation and acknowledge that you work for a services organization, which, is, which sometimes can be very different than people selling products. Talk about hmm. the how you think about marketing from a 
with a services organization as opposed to trying to sell a product. Sure. Um, I think in terms of when you look when you look at services, you want to be top of mind for specific areas. You know, the organization KPMG has over 300 plus different types of services and offerings. What's interesting is when you look at products organizations today, they are actually moving more towards a services-based model. They may consider the types of conversations, but the conversations that they want to own are with specific segments of the market and specific buyers. So the challenges are exactly the same, but it's understanding it at different levels and using different platforms and channels to access them. And that's where the, that's where the market narrative um, appears uh, in the context of strategy and marketing, advertising, communications. It's really more of a, and I don't like to use this word often, but it's really an ecosystem of a multitude of different things. So I see more and more um, parity uh, between products and services organizations. We focused a lot on thought leadership and, and services, and that thought leadership um, used to be a tomb of information. Now we're chopping that up into different types of segmented stories to create more of a narrative around that conversation. One example would be on cybersecurity. Many services organizations are talking about cybersecurity, but there is a fundamental element of trying to understand what do we want to own. For example, if it's on risk associated with cyber, is it technological risk, is it reputation, or all of the above? Everyone's talking about all of the above. Maybe we want to be expert in one of those areas. So let's shape the conversation to really drive that into the minds of the core buyers. And the same thing happens from a product's perspective where they're talking about their specific product attributes or, or unique selling propositions. Same thing applies to marketing content in a products or services organization. So before we go too deep on, on just the idea that thought leadership is the way to win, is, as you said, Brian, you know, I, I remember listening to another podcast you've been on before, yeah. and I was kind of like shocked at how many buyer personas that you have to keep in mind. And, and it makes sense. I mean, you think about KPMG and you think about all the different sectors that rely on mm -hmm. the different services that, that your mm -hmm. company offers. It makes sense. So I'm wondering from, from, you know, first of all, maybe you can share with people the number you have. I don't know if it's changed since the last time I heard you talk about this. Uh, but I'm also just curious from the from the level that you sit, how do you ensure that you understand each of these buyer personas and how it actually trickles up uh, for you to help set strategy down? Because it's hard to get connected with all these various different buyers right. across yeah. your business lines. Well, one, it's it's we have between 14 and 20, uh, and that's constantly changing due to the power structure associated with who is actually buying the services. With the rise of procurement and organizations trying to uh, be more diligent and, and scoping services for what they need at that very moment, um, they have become a whole other buying group. So that's something that is um, required to really understand what do they value within the construct of buying professional services versus you know, traditional buyers, be it the CFO, the other C, the, the CEO, other C-level titles, um, 
as well. So we have to break that down into different elements. One risk, you know, one business issue may be interpreted very differently from a CIO's lens versus a CFO's lens, right? So you have to be able to um, use those filters in order to drive strategy, marketing strategy, to really shape those conversations. And I've, I've been pushing the whole concept of shaping conversations for multiple years now. And uh, it's really started to build some ground. I don't think thought leadership is the one way to um, win in professional services. It's really about creating and extending conversations. And the only way to shape those conversations is really understand the, the strategy behind it and what is the content needed or, in order to um, drive that strategy. I, I love that idea of conversations, and yeah, to your point, I've heard you talk about that one too before. You know, the idea of a conversation to me obviously means it's back and forward, right? You know, when we were right. lining up for this podcast before we started to record, I, I told you, you know, the whole concept here is a conversation. Um, as when you think about translating that to content strategy, you know, a lot of the times it's hard for that to go two ways. You know, we think of the conversation, we want someone to be able to reply, to engage with us in return. So I'm wondering what your definition is of your audience actually being able to uh, you know, engage in that conversation. Is that arming you know, your business development team to engage in those com conversations of topics that you've highlighted, or is it another way that's you know, interactive in an online manner? Well, let me put it this way. There are multiple conversations. Right. Think about the buying cycle. There's an exploration phase where you're discovering new attributes of what you're actually looking for. And you may not know what you're looking for, but you're starting at a point to uncover and educate yourself within the process, be it product or service. There may be a uh, qualification uh, type of conversation with core buyers and our business developers as well as other professionals uh, at KPMG, they have those conversations every day. There may be a resistance to um, looking at exploring topics further. We have to be prepared for that and have assets as well as um, you know language to help extend those conversations because that's what I believe marketing is today it is about creating and extending conversations it is that two-way dialogue yet these dialogues can happen from the physical sense on a one-to-one -one, uh, perspective in person live or it could happen uh, virtually um, through multiple channels be it digital social mobile so we have to look at the complexity of that and try to simplify it so we're always on point we're always in line with strategy and that's something that uh, is incredibly challenging, uh, especially for really trying to drive more of an editorial mindset around what we do. It makes a lot of sense. I, I love that idea of, of empowering the rest of the organization, and it's it's something that we talk a lot about at my company too. Um, you know, it's it's a good point before I jump to my next question to actually talk about one of our sponsors because we're talking a lot about almost like brand guidelines, personas. And mm -hmm. Clear Voice is a company that that's actually you know partnered with us here at Content Pros. Uh, I urge everyone to take a look at their solution. It's a content marketing software that'll decrease the time 
spent in creating content up to 50%. Uh, they've got various tools such as the Clearvoice Marketplace where you can go find writers. They've got the Clearvoice Content Studio to store all those brand guidelines and keywords and personas. Uh, bottom line, check it out. They offer a free demo at demo.clearvoice.com and let them know uh, we sent you over there from Content Pros. Um, so back on track here, uh, you know, maybe going a little bit deeper into that content creation. And you know, there's another thing I know you talked to me once about is that you know people need different lengths of content, different formats of content. Where sure. do you kind of you know how do you kind of dictate that from the you know CMO level to make sure that people are buying into that uh, at different levels in your organization? Well we have to remember and this seems pretty basic and I'm sure that you and your audience already know this, but there are three to four different generations in the marketplace, all of which consume content and learn very differently. So we have to be prepared for that. Simultaneously, we have to think about how we're educating our internal employees to basically articulate our value proposition around specific business issues as they go into the marketplace and have these discussions uh, either virtually or, or, or live. I've used the concept of 3330 so what can I communicate in 30 seconds, three minutes, 30 minutes? So you have extreme short form to normal, which I would consider a normal way of processing information today, which is around three minutes max, and then 30 minutes for long form and getting into the detail uh, for those who are more accustomed to long form uh, based communications, all of which have to be connected together. So it does get into this I've said it before, this editorial mindset where we're thinking ahead of how do we need to navigate this conversation? How do we want this conversation to, to go? And could it you know, permeate into different types of conversations, uh, be it sales-based, brand-based, or relationship-based? And we have to be prepared for all of that. That's why with the levels of complexity that we talk about, our goal is to help simplify. And you can simplify those types of conversations by staying on message on point, be it 30 seconds, three minutes, or 30 minutes in whatever we do. So I, I, I love that idea, Brian, of, of really breaking all your messages down into those core components. And so I'm, I'm now going to take advantage of the fact that you are a CMO because very often, very often practitioners who we have on the show or who are actually out working in the trenches of content marketing are sometimes pretty far removed from the CMO and they're getting, they're getting instructions from maybe, maybe a VP or a director sort of a, a long way of mm -hmm. what the CMO is interested in. So I'm, I'm really interested in the KPI question and how you take, how you take all this, this approach and the idea of conversations and wrap it back up into your marketing strategy and in fact say this is what success looks like this is what i'm interested in seeing metrics around well well obviously with any type of any type of kpi you want to drive behaviors so more in terms of getting eyes on and the specific volume based or output based kpis are very interesting but they don't tell the whole story you have to match that with outcomes and typically outcomes, be they new sales, be they new relationships, we can measure all of that. We need to match the qualitative with the quantitative 
KPIs to look at, are we shaping the right types of behaviors um, against our competitive set? And that's something that I communicate on a quarterly basis. I actually have an internal scorecard at KPMG where we measure brand relationship as well as new opportunities and uh, what I would call marketing efficiency or operations. And all of that is connected together, that ecosystem I referred to before, from a you know to ensure that our our customers, our employees, are you know gaining the uh, gaining the most ground in terms of educating themselves about what's happening in the marketplace, what's happening with um, our our profession, um, as well as the the traditional KPIs around marketing. And you know, frankly, when you start to use KPIs as an education tool, more people get to learn about specific expectations of senior leadership, as well as what do we want to achieve as a collective organization. And that's something that is a differentiator, in my opinion, in the market over a long period of time. And that's one of the primary reasons why many people come to work for KPMG, um, as well as within the marketing organization here. That's a that's a great way to think about it. Met, metrics as an internal education tool. I I really like that idea. And but before I go to my my next question, another yeah. quick sponsor read. If if you're enjoying this podcast, there's a a new podcast from our friends at Uberflip. Randy can vouch for this one. It's called Flip the Switch. They run a weekly podcast with some of the brightest marketing minds. And they'll provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to content marketing challenges. Go ahead over to bit.ly slash flip content, and you'll discover the tips and tactics that'll help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So thanks to our friends at Uber, Uberflip for continuing their sponsorship and continuing to provide us Randy. Thanks, Randy. So uh, back, to, back to our conversation, Brian. Earlier in the show, we actually shared a stat from your CM, your CEO survey, mm-hmm. and I, I'd love to know a little bit more about that project and and some details and kind of how you how that fits into your larger thought leadership approach, why you mm-hmm. chose CEOs, and kind of how you how you break up and and distribute that content. And that's great, and it's almost an advertisement for what we do as an organization. So, so part of what you articulated at the beginning of the conversation, and, and what I referenced about the disruptive forces in the market, a lot of the CEOs uh, and the CEO surveys, which is a global survey that we did in multiple countries, with uh, you know multiple organizations across different industries, we're able to find what are some of the common themes. And when you start to look at some of the the commonalities and some of the opportunities. I'll say concerns, yes, but they are market. They are opportunities in the marketplace. It's really focused on you know a couple different aspects of that near constant change I referenced, right? So with change, change only requires choice, right? If you really think about it. any change in your life, any change with an organization, it's based on a choice. You have to make a choice to address that change. And that, that comes from a strategic lens. People want to look out. The term agile has come up nonstop over the last three years. Um, I would say even more uh, within the tech industry. But it's about being responsive to what's going on in the marketplace and, and 
making your organization resilient to some of the the subtle changes, not the massive uh, market uh, forces that are impacting uh, many organizations globally. The CEOs are at the helm of, of seeking out that vision. Our goal was to look at what are some of those challenges and what that actually could mean to other C-level uh, executives with some of the things that we do across multiple industries. So we looked at that piece of thought leadership as uh, a narrative of what's going on in the global market as well as in um, multiple countries and regions and really kind of decipher the pulse of the market. And with understanding the pulse of the market, you can interpret different types of, I'll say from a marketing perspective, different types of strategies to create and extend those conversations that we need to, to differentiate KPMG in the market. So it, it was something that was done um, where, we, where we drove out uh, a lot of different uh, key themes and business issues, one of which you referenced with the with one perspective on the 29%, but ultimately when we look at a lot of the other pieces of thought leadership or perspectives from uh, or our organization, they are mapped directly under some of those business issues that were brought up. So it is a synergistic approach to uh, driving those conversations in the market. And that's something that is very difficult. And I know that a lot of my peers uh, in the market uh, try to battle that on a, a daily basis. I brought up the whole concept of driving an editorial mindset. It's understanding what do we want to be known for or the famous, what do you want to be famous for uh, in the marketplace into more of a strategic lens Rather than putting everything at the marketplace at once, let's be calculated and let's focus on some of the things that are some of the business issues that are impacting our key buyers uh, across the global market. And that, that's exactly what we did with the CEO survey. So I love I love what you went out to conquer there. I mean, we often on this show we we talk about that as almost being your your big rock of content or the, the opportunity to do so. But I want to I want to hit on something that you said kind of in passing in there, and you may actually have to give me two answers. I'll, I'll warn you that because I'm, sure. I'm going to maybe put you in a tricky position. But I actually just yesterday I got off a call with someone, and they were from a large 100 company, and they represented the APAC region, right? And you know. We were talking about the struggles of regionalizing content, which you, you touched on in your description of, of the purpose of the survey. Now, I'm wondering when you decide that regionalization is important and when you decide that an asset is going to cover true global reach. And the tricky part with this asset, I imagine, because it's for CEOs and the, the types of organizations you speak to, those CEOs probably have a global mindset. Um, but on the flip side of it, you know, there's probably other assets you're creating that you know may cut it in, in North America, but won't in, in APAC or, or another region out there. That's a uh, interesting and complex question, but actually I can simply answer it by saying with with any type of with any type of initiative at a global level there is there is interest from all of our different regions um, as well as specific uh, national organizations uh, be it Canada the US you know countries within South America what have you from uh, America's region so there is interest in uh, I would call those kind of the top tier programs right they're global programs there are specific issues that are 
domain to, um, to Canada, right? Due to the market footprint, due to the the nature of uh, the marketplace, uh, as well as the different types of industries, which aren't the same as the U.S. or Mexico or Brazil or Chile. So we look at it from an editorial perspective and say, what do we want to capitalize upon? Where do we want to invest from a global perspective to get that global view versus a very Canada-centric view uh, on specific elements? Yes, we can cut global surveys like we did into a Canada-centric uh, survey, but there are very specific things that we may do within the provinces in BC, in Toronto, in, in Saskatchewan, so on and so forth that we want to really drive and really understand their market makeup to make the conversations that we're trying to create resonate with those buyers, right? Rather than saying, this is a big global issue, cloud, right? Okay, well, why, right? There are some macro elements to that versus some micro that have nuances within different types of businesses. The cloud issue impacts the CIO of a smaller organization very differently than a larger, than a CFO in the, in the same context. So we have to balance all of that out, and that's why marketers have to take the complex and make it simple, but also make it coherent for those core audiences. It makes a lot of sense. I'm just curious, just sticking on this regionalization perspective, how does your distribution strategy sometimes change? You know, what are some of the channels, or do you have an example of a channel that worked really well in one region but not the other? Um, you know, with even even with this publication or, or something else that you guys put together? Well, you have to you have to recognize that there are certain cultures that uh, value um, more of the heritage and the legacy of the way business was conducted before, and there are certain business and cultural protocols that require face-to-face -face meetings versus a webcast, right, versus a podcast um, or email, which could be viewed as imperson very impersonal uh, and offensive in, in, in some cultures versus incredibly acceptable by specific generations, right, so, or, or texting, uh, for that matter. So, you know, we, we try to balance it. We try to look at um, <clears throat> rather the old model of let me build this website and people will come. We have to define the strategy, the content that matches that conversation that enables that strategy, then the platforms and channels that maximize uh, the strategic outcomes that we want to achieve. That's, that's great, Brian. Thanks much for that, that insight. And just as, as way of wrapping up, we like to get to know our guests a little more here on Content Pros. So what did you want to be when you were growing up? That's a really interesting question. Um, I think it floated between a couple different things, but I, I, I wanted to go into the military very early <laughs> as a child, and then I wanted to become a professional lacrosse player. So both of those dreams were realized. Um, I'm kidding, of course, but I, I think in terms of, you know, being being a child, you're open to so many different influences, and as you start to grow older, you start to really narrow down on what drives you, and both of those examples talk about competition, and that's what makes me, um, that's part of my overall ethos today. 
I love that. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping that it was going to tie to other parts of your career, which I know about, such as you know, building toys and working at Marvel. I mean, you know, yes. we, we could have literally done you know an hour podcast here we and dug, dug into stories of that, which I'm sure you know those who have a passion in reading and writing, you know, would would love to hear about comic books and things like that for hours. But uh, we'll have to save that for for a follow up on on another there episode. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, what we'll do is make sure that a link to that CEO survey uh, is made available in the show notes. Those show notes for everyone listening can be found at contentprospodcast.com, um, where you'll learn more about how KPMG is thinking about uh, that global reach and how to communicate to an audience as Brian talked about today from that CMO perspective. Uh, this has been really interesting. On behalf of Jeff Cohen at Oracle Market Marketing Cloud, I'm Randy Frisch over at Uberflip, and uh, you can find a whole bunch more of these episodes on iTunes where you can leave us a review, give us feedback. Same thing goes on Stitcher and other places where you're used to finding your podcasts. Until next time, thanks a lot on behalf of all of us at Content Pros. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com, the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by Audio Bag.com.